I've been called a lot of things, but never a conduit. I've been called a, uh, a spoon once. Somebody said my ministry was like a spoon because I stir things up. Well, uh, I'm afraid today I might stir something up. Um, I'm going to talk about something. You, you know, one of the... Um, I read mostly nonfiction books. Um, fiction doesn't interest me a lot unless it's some sort of metaphorical lesson teaching kind of fiction. Um, but they say that one of the least read portions of any book is the preface. You know, after the bibliography, very few people except me read the bibliographies, but I do. I want to know where they got their info to write this book. Um, but a lot of people just don't read the preface. Now, as an aspiring author, uh, the preface is really important. That's where you find out what the intent of the person writing the book is and those things that um, will help you understand what in the heck he's talking about. Because you can, you can misinterpret things very easily if you don't have a point of reference um, as to what the author is trying to accomplish with the book you're about to read. So I've got a preface here, okay? And I want you to pay attention, during, especially during the preface, because um, I am going to be skating on some pretty thin ice in here this morning. I've been accused of doing that habitually before, and it's probably true. As a matter of fact, my, my, my father only spanked me three times in my entire life, and once was for walking on thin ice. He had warned me not to go down to the mill pond and walk on the ice because it wasn't thick enough to hold me up, and so what do you think my cousin Timmy and I did? We went down to the mill pond, and we were walking on the ice, and my cousin Timmy fell through, and I, I had to walk on the ice to save his sorry life. You know, and we both fell in the lake, and only by the grace of God did we manage to get out instead of die. You know, so walking on thin ice, I understand, is a risky business, but I'm going to be doing it this morning. But I want you to understand my intentions I have been in ministry over 40 years. And um, one of the things that happens to a person after many years in ministry is all of your curiosity gets burned right out of you. Not many people tell me gossip because they know I'm not, you know, you can actually determine what's in your heart by the sort of things people want to tell you. Not many people come to me with gossip issues because I'll shut them down. I'm not interested in hearing about anybody else's laundry unless I absolutely have some reason to know so that I can help in that situation. I'm not curious about what you've done. You know, if I don't need to know, don't tell me. I'm on a need-to-know basis. But there are numerous people seated here today, and I know some of your secrets. 
There's some of you seated here today who don't know I know your secrets. Some of you seated here today think you got them hid pretty good. But I, I was reminded of this young gentleman here, Mr. Faldo. I can remember back in the day, uh, back in the 80s, I'd met Larry and Cheryl, and I really liked them pretty good. It was the 70s. Well, we are old, aren't we? You weren't even born then, were you? Uh I've known her since she was a baby, so I love her. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I had met Larry. I was pastoring a little church up in Hendersonville, and, and I wanted to take Larry down to the Lamb's Chapel. This is a Faldo story. I should have told this at their anniversary, but it's appropriate here this morning. Um, and I, I was going to present him to the pastors and the elders, like, this is a really cool dude. I like this guy. He really, you know. And so we sat through the whole first meeting, and uh, the meeting was over. And at the end of the meeting, people started standing up and milling around and getting ready to leave. And Larry stood up in the chair, just stood up in the chair. And he says, Stop! Everybody, stop! I've got a word from the Lord. I went, oh, God, no. You can't take this guy out in public. He says, the Lord knows what you've been doing. And if you do not confess and repent in the very next meeting, I will, and I don't think it was Larry, I don't think he ever knew what he was talking about, I will expose your sin. And as a sign to you that it is you that I'm talking about, now I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember all those, but this is exactly what he said. He said, you have a very expensive green leather-bound book on your shelf that you know the Lord wants you to get rid of, but because it's so expensive, you won't. Now, you talk about skating on thin ice. That's a pretty out-on-limb prophecy. <laughs> but the very next morning, someone showed up at the pastor's office with a green, ancient, green, leather-bound book on astrology and confessed that they had been having an affair as well. I still to this day don't know who that person was. It's not important. You see, because the heart of the Lord is not so much to embarrass you or to expose you as it is to help you. It's to help you. And so I'm not talking about any individual this morning. I'm not talking about any person here this morning. I'm talking about all of us. You understand what I'm saying? Now, um, if you have done something in your life that you would not want your sainted mother or grandmother to know about, please raise your hand. Those are the only people I'm talking about. Notice my hand's still up. 
But I want to talk to you this morning about what I believe is one of the schemes and strategies of the enemy of our souls. And I'll call him who he is. It's Satan himself and all of his demonic minions. They have a strategy to strip you of all of your spiritual power. They want you to be useless and powerless in the days that are ahead. Because we are on the cusp of an extremely violent change in our society. Things are not going to continue as they have been in the past. And the turbulence and the turmoil that is coming needs an army of God-filled people to be able to make a transition through those turbulent times. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God. We need to have His power and anointing and wisdom at hand, ready to utilize for the kingdom's purposes in the days ahead. Where does your power come from? It comes from your secret place. It comes from what you do in secret. How many of us have known people whose lives have been destroyed by what they were doing hidden and in secret? How many of us have wept and cried and lamented over our own secrets that we have hidden? How many of us have felt that we couldn't? Like like Ryan, man, he was tapping into what you taught the kids this morning. It's powerful. When I've done something wrong, Jesus loves me. But He wants us to not just know forgiveness... And restoration, He wants us to be able to be vessels that can contain the power of Almighty God and do wonders and signs on the earth without being destroyed by that very power. Does that make any sense to you? The origin of your power is your secret place. You know, uh, oh gosh, these these technological things are really good, but sometimes they they're hard. For me, I'm sort of a Neanderthal about some of this stuff. But um, there's this text I wanted you to, uh, Rebecca, put up that Jeremiah twenty three twenty two thing. Um. But I'm going to read it to you in the version that I got this revelation from. The reign of a letter. Um, if you just touch these little old things wrong, they go to the wrong place, don't they? Uh, yes. 
I'm just too much of a bull in a china closet to deal with much of this. It says, Pero si ellos hubieran estado en mi secreto, habrían hecho oír mis palabras a mi pueblo, y lo habrían hecho volver de su mal camino y de la maldad de sus obras. Amén. Listen to that. Pero si ellos hubieron estado en mi secreto. But if they had stood in my secret. And that's really what it says in the Hebrew. Well, they, they put this over into council in most of the English translations. But what it really says there is the secret place. If they had stood in my secret place, then they would have caused my people to hear my words. And they would have turned them. They would have had the power to turn them away from their wicked ways. Because the power is in the secret place. The true meaning of this thing is it's a secret council. It's when two people get together in secret to decide what they're going to do. Now, when you get together with God Almighty in secret and plan what to do, whose mind do you think is going to be changed? Change me, Lord. Change the way I think. Change the way I feel about things. Change the way I see things. Conform me to your very heart and image, Lord. Work in me that which I do not have the capacity to work in myself. I can't change my spots any more than a leopard can. Me and Bob would like to put some more hairs on our head, but the Lord says they're already numbered. But this is a very low-maintenance hairstyle we got going on. I don't have to worry what I look like when I'm coming out of the back of an airplane anymore. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the principle and the power of the secret place. How our secret place is really what governs us. You know, when I was a kid, you had to go out hunting pornography. Now it's hunting you. It's looking for you. It's right around the corner. Click in the wrong spot, and there it is. You can stumble upon it by accident anymore, and it's out to get you. There's all kinds of stuff out there. In the first chapter of the Gospel of John, um, let me see if I can find I don't have any of this marked. I didn't know what I was going to talk about until I was on the way here this morning. That's pretty normal for me. First uh, John, or not First John, but uh, the Gospel of John, first chapter. I'm going to start in verse 19. It says, Now this is the testimony of John 
when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not Christ. And they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? He said, Nope. And are you the prophet? He answered, Nope. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? You know, I, I, for some personal reasons, I have been uh, looking at Facebook more recently than ever before. Um, and one of the trends, one of the things that is trending on Facebook, it, you know all these little five-minute personality and psychological tests you can take? I have a granddaughter that has, how, how many followers does Jazzy has on her little frozen page? 5,000 followers. Was she 10? 11? It's, it's <laughs> the modern world is a mysterious place to a Neanderthal like me. Um, it is. It's strange to me. I don't understand it. I'll confess, I don't understand it. Um, why would you care which frozen character you are? On Facebook, I mean, it's eat up with all these tests you can take telling you which character you are. I just looked this morning. Just These are the ones I found this morning. Just casually flipping through my timeline. Which Frozen character are you? Which Walt Disney character are you? Which Toy Story character are you? Uh, a little for the older crowd. Which Friends character are you? Uh, which Walking Dead character are you? I mean, my I'm, I ain't gonna tell on Kathy about watching Walking Dead. Which Hobbit character are you? Which Lord of the Rings character? Harry Potter, Hunger Games, Game of Thrones. Now, this is one you really want to find out which one you belong to. Which Simpson character are you? Oh, I just stumbled on all these this morning. Which Downton Abbey, for those with a bit more of the British in you, you know? And which Downton Abbey character are you? Has anybody ever taken one of these things? Now, don't lie to me. I've been looking at Facebook. <laughs> I even found one that was called a five-minute personality quiz. Then there's for the spiritual crowd, which Bible character are you? Which New Testament character are you? Which apostle are you? Which saint are you? I kind of get the impression we don't know who we are. I kind of get the impression, and I think the Lord might be saying something about, we want to define who we are through the personifications of people we've seen in pop culture. God help us. God help us. Hey, and I, and I, hey have fun. 
You know, I've not, I've not seen Frozen because I've got a grandson that hates it. He says it's just for girls, and if I watch it, he won't talk to me anymore. So I don't watch it because I want to talk to him. Have fun. You know, I'm not, I'm not coming down on anybody for doing anything. You understand what I'm saying? But you need to know who you are. And you ain't going to find out listening to Bart Simpson. You need to hear something from the Lord God Almighty, direct, up close, in person, in secret, when there ain't nobody else there but you and him. Now, John, he said, I'm just the voice of somebody crying in the wilderness. Make straight the pathways of our God. He knew exactly what his role was. He knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly who he wasn't. Brothers and sisters, we need to know who we ain't and who we are. And we need to not surrender that to any lying demonic spirit or carnal desire. You know, blackmail only works when you've got black secrets. You know what I'm saying? You, it only works when you've been doing something that you would stop doing when your mama walks in the room. Oh, I can't stop. You don't understand. It's a sickness. I can't stop. I can't stop drinking. Well, what you going to do when grandmama comes? You going to keep on going? Probably not. Then you can stop. There, there are people that are throwing away. There's some of you sitting here today that's throwing away your divine destiny by what you're doing in secret. And for the love of God, some of you are putting pictures of it up on Facebook. Come on. Do you really believe what I said in the beginning? That the Lord needs an army of people that are sanctified, that are separated unto Him for the days that are ahead. I don't give a rip what you did in the past. Don't talk to me about it. Don't even bring it up to God anymore. He's sick and tired about what you did in the past. He just wants to know what you're going to do from now on toward the future. You hear what I'm trying to say to you? The past is past. What are we going to do from here, church? That's what the Lord wants to know today. I've, it's no secret. It's no secret that I love the preaching of T.D. Jakes. I would take out a bank loan and pay large sums of money if I thought I could preach like T.D. Jakes. I'm telling you, that guy just, he stands a hair up on the back of my neck when I listen to that man preach. I love it. Uh, and uh, I heard him preach a little sermonette about the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda recently that caused me to change how I saw that uh, 
that story. This thing's too slick. You can't put your Bible up high. Um, okay, I'm going to read this, okay? And then I want to talk a little bit about it. This is a long passage. Please don't go to sleep. The, plot, the problem with charismatic churches is if you read more than two verses of Scripture in a row, everybody loses their concentration and just you have to get them back with a funny story. <laughs> but I want to read this, okay? Uh, uh, John 5, beginning in verse 1. says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. How many people are waiting on revival? Are you waiting on revival to come so you can be who you're supposed to be, do what you're supposed to do? Do you think, you know, we've seen this a lot. People will come to the mission field because they think if they go overseas, they'll be something much better than they are at home. And I'm, prom and I'm promising you, you're diminished. You're not increased when you go overseas because you don't even know how to talk to your neighbors. It's harder to do it in another country than it is where you were born, not easier. It says here, as an explanatory note, probably not in the original text, but it explains what they were talking about, about the moving of the water. It says, for an angel went down for a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. <laughs> I've got a friend, he said he was tired of praying for people that even God couldn't help. He said he just got wore out praying for the same people with the same problem week after week. He said they've had that, they had that problem in the three churches they were at before they came to his church. And every Sunday they were up there trying to get the man of God to pray for them and get them fixed. And when they, that man of God couldn't fix him, they changed churches and went to another one. He says, God hadn't been able to help that person for the last 20 years. What do they think I can do? Some of us have been sick a long time. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? I think the Lord wants to ask that question to several people here this morning. Do you want to be healed? How many people here feel like you've been held back? That you haven't been quite able to get into that turbulent water? You haven't been able to get into that revival mode? You haven't really been able to get that touch from God that will transform you and make you who you're supposed to be? How many of us are waiting on something to happen so we can be who we know God called us to be. How many of us sitting here today have been in that condition of waiting for a long time? Thinking the Lord had more for us than we're now manifesting. 
But we've got to have something special. We've got to wait for the right anointed servant of God to come along. We've got to wait for the revival to break out. And then, oh man, I'm going to jump right in when that comes. It's not a very funny message this morning. I apologize. It says, and the sick man answered. You know, you've got to buy the truth and sell it not. Unless you've bought the truth, you don't get grace. Because grace and truth are married. One is never seen without the other. But for you to get saved, you've got to admit you need a Savior. For you to get healed, you've got to admit you're sick. If you're stuck in the same spot you've been stuck in spiritually for years, you've got to admit, I'm stuck. God, help me. I'm stuck in this place. I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to move on. I don't know how I can proceed from here. I'm at the end of my rope. Please help me, Jesus. Help me. Until you get to that place where you're really desperate and you know that you have no other remedy other than Him, you're going to stay stuck. I believe the Lord wants to unstuck us. Misuse of the proper tense of the verb on purpose, by the way. I alter the language to suit my own purposes. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered to him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. I've never, had a, I've never had a pastor who really cared about me. All the leadership let me down. My daddy abused me. My mama abandoned us. How many excuses we got? Nobody helped me along. How many of us feel like, well, I could have done better if somebody had just helped me? We got a long list of people that did us wrong or didn't help us that kept us from really being and doing what we should have been being and doing. Right? Come on. Nobody was there to help me get in the water. But when I was coming, somebody else got there in front of me. Sucked up all the anointing. How many of us have sat in charismatic meetings and saw people get prophesied over? And said, oh, please prophesy over me. Please, I want a word. Please give me a word. Please open. Oh, you leave and you think, oh, God never wants to talk to me. Are you going to let somebody else stand in your way? Has somebody done something to you that was so serious you just cannot forgive them? Have you been unable to forgive the unforgivable? Are you going to let somebody else get in your way for you getting what you need from God? Who's disappointed you that much? Who's hurt you that much? 
that you're going to allow what someone else did to keep you away from 100% of your divine destiny in Jesus. Don't do it. You can't blame it on anybody else. Now, I believe in Christian counseling. I believe in psychology. I believe in psychiatry. And God knows there's more crazy people than there are sane people in the world. Oh, you go on Facebook. I'm discovering a whole new world. Isn't that one of the songs? A whole new world. I, I marvel at what Christians put up there in plain view and want the whole world to know that's me. I guess I'm just a backward, redneck, hillbilly sort that just don't want anybody else knowing what I'm doing or something. Or at least if I put something out there, I'd like it to be something nice. Don't be robbed, church. Because what's done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. Not to your harm, not to your destruction, but the Lord wants to help you. Do you understand? The Lord wants to help you. He created you for a divine purpose. No other man, woman, child, disappointment, poverty, riches, fame, infamy, none of those things should impede you from being all that God intended you to be. They're all liars. All of the disappointments, all of the abuses, all of the rejections, all of the difficulties, all of these things are just obstacles. They're there to help you or to make you trip and stumble before you get to where you're supposed to be. But God can help you. He can. We've seen testimonies of it. I see living testimonies that God can help you in ways that are unexplainable by any other means than supernatural assistance. I know people that have walked through the valley of the shadow of death and come out triumphant, not defeated, not wounded, not uh, feeling sorry for themselves. It can be done. God wants a victorious people. God wants us to have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. I've talked about this before from the first chapter of John. And until I see it, openly manifested in the majority of Christians, I'm going to keep on talking about it because one of the demons that Arthur Burton and I have been delivered from is the fear of repetition. (laughs) 
have 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 mercy on me. I'm I'm trying to find the verse I want here. I'm in a I'm 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 using a strange Bible that's not my own because this church only has a version that's not my own. Um the third chapter of John. The wind, uh, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit, the Ruach of God. He's not speaking about the Holy Spirit in this verse other than that the Holy Spirit is in you. One of the difficulties for the translators of Romans 7 and 8 is trying to determine whether Paul in those chapters is talking about the Spirit within us or the Spirit of God, big S or little s. And that's as it should be. That is as it should be. It should be difficult to determine whether the Spirit of God flowing in you is your Spirit or the Holy Spirit. Now that's an ambition. Isn't that that something to go for? Isn't Isn't that a goal to set your sights on? And that you have the authority to blow where you want to blow? to go where you want to go, to do what you want to do. You know, the great man of God, Smith Wigglesworth, said, if the Spirit doesn't move me, I move the Spirit. When I first heard that, I thought, man, that is the most arrogant thing I've ever heard anybody say. He wants it that way, Ryan. He wants us to be the sons and daughters of the living God who go about doing good deeds and saving and liberating, healing the sick, casting out demons in the name of Jesus. You don't need to get permission every time you want to cast out a demon or heal a sick person. You don't need to go beggarly before the throne of God saying, oh, please, God, if just once this one time you'd please heal this person. No. Come on. There's a different revelation that God wants to pour out on His people. But it's tied to your secret place. Remember that first verse we put up there from Jeremiah 23? He says, if they had known my secret place, they would have been able to share my word and free my people. To put it into action, it depends on what you're doing behind closed doors. It depends on what you're doing when nobody else is looking. It depends on the meditations of your heart. I'm saying... I want to encourage each and every one of you to pray that last uh, verse of uh, Psalm 19. I don't care about that. This is a list of uh, those personality traits. You can, well, yeah. You want to take a few of those? Be careful. 
This is my prayer. Because I'm the only one that gets to or has to live in here. Is anybody else that schizophrenic? Or bipolar or whatever it is I'm confessing to? Nobody else has to live in here. I don't want the junk out because I'm afraid somebody else is going to find out. I just don't want to live with crap no more. Now, if that offends somebody, I'm sorry. You just don't like me because I cleaned it up for you. Trust me. In the last uh, last one of the Chronicles of Narnia, I can't remember what that book, the, the final battle, you know, uh, there's all these dwarves that have really had stinky attitudes throughout the whole final battle and everything. And there, uh, when, when the world comes to an end and everything's made new and there's a new heaven and a new earth and Aslan or Jesus or God or whatever is reigning in righteousness and everything, they're sitting still in the stable. And... and uh, the the kings and queens of Narnia are saying, just open your eyes. Just open your eyes. And they said, no, but we still smell the stable. We still smell the poop. And they wouldn't even open their eyes. They were so terrified, they wouldn't even open their eyes and see where they were at. You see, I'm the only one that lives in here. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm the only one that lives in here. I don't want to live in any more mess. I want to live in the kingdom of God. I want to live in righteousness, peace, and joy. I want the fruits of the Spirit to be manifested in my life. I want to love people. I don't want to plan on shooting them with my Glock when they come to get my beans and barley. I don't want to go to the practice range and practice popping caps imagining my neighbors when they're coming to steal my food. I want to plan a banquet table for my neighbors. I want to live in love. I don't want to live in prejudice and hatred. I don't want any of it in here with me anymore. I'm ready to kick it out. Get rid of every vestige and remnant of the old man. And live in a renewed body and a renewed soul and a renewed spirit where all things are made new. That's my aspiration. That's what I'm after. Are you after it? Are you after the kingdom of God? Do you want to wallow around in your filth anymore? Then get up. Get up. That's what Jesus said to the guy. Stand up and walk. It's within your power. You can't blame it on anybody else for your sorry condition. Get up. Everything, all power in heaven and earth is given unto you. What's your problem? Now you think I'm talking to you, but I'm mainly talking to me. What is your heart set on? Be honest with yourself. Now, everybody who knows me knows I like a good laugh, a good joke, and a decent party. Is it true or not? I mean, it's true. I mean, we've had parties. I have actually seen Doug Murdoch at my house on New Year's Eve 
with those little horns and things stuffed up his nose. <laughs> Dancing around, blowing him with his nose. I don't think even Alzheimer's could rob me of that memory. It was a great party. Doug dancing around with those things. That ain't going to be no secrets anymore. I just don't want to live in less than all that God's had for me. If your heart's set on the things of the world, go on to the world. Arthur, and I read this recently. I read this. There was a Harvard study that said that the least happy people in the United States of America are people who confess to being Christians but are not living the Christian life. Get yourself all filled up with the Holy Spirit. And then go out and live carnally. Go ahead on. You will be miserable, I promise you. You will be miserable. Let's go for the gold, guys. Let's run the race that's set before us. Let's quit using any kind of excuses. Oh, bad things are happening in my family. Has anybody in here got a family that bad things ain't happened in? Come on. Don't let bad things in your family keep you from going on with the Lord. Get up. Walk. Walk what you believe in your heart. Make no more excuses. Make no more excuses. Be in hot and fervent pursuit of the supernatural inside, in your life, where nobody else sees. Don't worry so much about it leaking out. Don't worry about how you look to anybody else. My counsel to you this morning, and I'm following my own same counsel, is I am going to dedicate myself to try to not live with any more rot. No more bad thoughts about people, Lord. When I grow up, I want to be like Kathy. I've been married to her for 43 years now. And, you know, she just don't ever talk bad about anybody. And when I do, she jumps on me. I love you guys. That a, do, you, do you get that? I'm concerned about the church. I'm concerned about the church. I want you to know who you are. Not just in a general sense. Not just in a general Christian sense. Because the Lord told me a long time ago, my people uh, believe enough to get into heaven, but not enough to walk in their destiny. It starts in your secret place. I want to encourage you to develop a secret life with God. Hide it away. 
Don't talk about all of it to somebody else. Have secrets with God, not from people. And you will flow in supernatural power in your life.